Whenever I first became a seminarian a few years ago, one of the things people warned me about were all the questions you were going to get. You were going to say people were going to bring up all these controversial issues such as women, women's ordination, contraception, books of the Bible, whatever. And that as a seminarian, people would expect you to know the answer, even if you were just kind of first stepping foot into the building. And so I'll be honest, I was ready to, to field those questions. I had read up, on, read up on a few articles on Catholic answers and whatnot, and I was prepared. Unfortunately, the questions never really came. But there was one question that always came without stop from basically anybody and everybody. And that was this. Why can't priests get married? Why can't priests get married? That was a question I got and fielded constantly. One time I was at this doctor's office and I was praying my morning prayers, praying the breviary, and this guy kept interrupting me. Hey, you praying morning prayer? Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't you be doing that earlier in the morning? Ugh. And so then, you know, he kept on talking. It's fine. I closed the book and I was like, what do you want, man? And so <laughs> we started talking and he was, uh, he, you know, he was like, so are you a seminarian? I said, yes, I am. So we started talking a little bit more and he was just very happy with the fact that I was a seminarian. He was very supportive. It was, an, it, was, it was a good conversation despite the fact that I was a little upset. Well, he got up and left. He went to the, somebody called his name to go to the, see the doctor or whatever. And all of a sudden, a woman next to me said, so you're a seminarian? And I said, yes, I am a seminarian. And she goes, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, you can ask me a question. She says, what do you think about priests getting married? And I go, I'll tell you what I think about priests getting married. <laughs> Why would you want to have to pay for a nice piece of jewelry that I would buy my wife on a wedding anniversary? Why would you have to pay for a nice, want to pay for a nice dinner Whenever uh, my son graduates college or high school or whatever, why would you want to have to pay for a vacation that I would like to take my family on? Why would you want to do any of this stuff to yourself? So then why would you ask for married priests? And she was like, uh, I'm not Catholic. <laughs> I don't think she's coming anytime soon either. <laughs> so I, you know, I was like, hey, I'm, so anyway, we, we tried, tried to smooth things out as best I could. I don't know if I succeeded, but whatever. Hey, <laughs> you win some, you lose some. But the argument that I was making at that time was an argument from practicality, an argument from finances. It's, in my opinion, probably the most practical argument you can make whenever it comes to this issue. Basically, in some married priests cost more and you get less. Why would you want, why would you want to pay more for something that you get less of? And the reality is that's not actually the reason why priests can't get married. It's not like the church was like strapped for cash and they said, no more weddings, all right? You cannot get married. That's not exactly how the church went about things. The church was a little bit more, uh, more toward my, my other argument that I had to make to another person. It was just after my friend's deacon ordination. He'd become a deacon. We're going to the reception. We're all very, very excited. And this guy comes up to me and he goes... Listen, I'm married. Great. Why can't I become a priest? So I looked at him and I said, Dude, don't do that to yourself. No man can serve two masters.
He left me alone after that. <laughs> he understood. <laughs> so that's a little bit more the logic, even though that's not actually the logic. That's, that's kind of Jesus talking about you can't serve God and mammon. It's not quite husband and wife. But the reality is, is that most of the time whenever we make these arguments toward why priests can't get married, it's actually not a financial argument. It's not necessarily a two masters argument, but it's usually a time argument. We usually say priests don't have time for a family. And while, yeah, that to some extent that's true, that's not actually a valid argument at all. There's lots of occupations that men have that don't really afford them much time for family life whatsoever. The military, offshore work, truck driving, just to name a few. And yet, none of these employers require their employees to be celibate. That's not even within the scope of the consideration. It's not really an issue. They don't, they don't really care because whether they're married or not doesn't really apply to how well they're going to do their job. But the argument, probably one of the strongest arguments for why priests don't get married, actually is in Scripture today. It's in St. Paul. But before I get to St. Paul, I do have to acknowledge that there is another argument that exists in other various very popular forms of literature. You know what that literature is? Comic books. I'm serious. Show me the wives of Batman, Superman, The Flash, all of these grand, great superheroes. They don't exist. There is no way these guys can possibly have wives because they are men on a mission. Solely, completely, and, com and sold on saving humanity. Now, Priests aren't exactly superheroes, although if you think we are, I accept the compliment. Thank you. <laughs> but the point being is that they do describe a little bit about what a priest's heart should look like. Whenever we look at these superheroes, whenever we look at these men who are on mission, we see what priesthood is all about and just a little glimpse on why priests can't get married. But the real reason if we're really going to understand why priests can't get married, is to first look at marriage itself, especially marriage as St. Paul describes it. Whenever a man and a woman get married, they are bonded together for life in an indissoluble, permanent bond. Which means whenever a man gets married, he takes his wife, in a, in a sense, into his own heart. Which means in the depths of his heart, his primary concern is called to, is called to care for his wife. Which it also means in the depths of his heart, there his wife is. And the same thing with her. The depths of her heart, so is her husband. And that is to both its benefit and its detriment. We all know in a marriage, little things can aggravate another person. Very, very easily within marriage. Whenever you're that close to another person, the slightest gesture, the slightest movement, the slightest word can either spark great amounts of love or unforeseen amounts of anger. That's the reality of a marriage. Marriage enables two people to be attentive to the promptings of their hearts. Because in marriage, the two people, two people become one flesh, which means their hearts are right up next to each other. Which is why St. Paul says a married man is anxious about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. He's not knocking marriage, he's just acknowledging the reality. That whenever two people become one, they become incredibly attentive to the needs of one another. To its detriment and to its benefit. It's our call what we're going to do with it.
And so what that means is ultimately, and what, what St. Paul points out, is that it can kind of leave a, a, man's heart, a married man's heart divided. Who do I serve, my wife or my God? It can be very difficult, especially whenever the two don't always coincide, and it can create a lot of difficulty. And that's where celibacy comes into the picture. Celibacy, my friends, is not about time. It's not about finances. It's not even about looking like a superhero. Celibacy, at its very root, is about the heart. Because when a man is celibate, when a priest is celibate, he leaves his heart open and solely and exclusively for one person, and that is the living God. That's it. Whenever a priest becomes celibate and vows to the bishop to never take a wife, what he is implicitly promising is that he will be attentive not to the needs of a woman, but to the needs of the Holy Spirit. The needs of God who prompts him and moves him to go forth and save souls in his name. To be a father in his name. And to be a man for all of his children, especially within the Catholic Church. And what that means ultimately is this. By allowing a priest's heart to be open solely and completely to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The heart of a priest is meant to be changed completely and totally to the point where whenever you gaze upon a priest, you're not gazing upon just an ordinary man, but as they say in Latin, an alter Christus, another Christ. That's what the priesthood is all about, to create other Christs, which can be afforded and which, which priests have the opportunity to do insofar as they are completely dedicated to Christ. In celibacy, a man's heart is completely available and open to where in the depths of his heart, if we were to gaze into it, all we would be able to find is God. All we would be able to find is God, which means that to be a priest is an incredibly tall order. To be a priest means to take on the responsibility and the burden to be another Christ. Something that is beyond a full-time job is something that involves our entire lives. It's something I was very surprised with Whenever I was doing some military training, we, we, we worked a lot with some chaplains, some, uh, some soon-to-be Protestant chaplains. And what I discovered about these guys, they had wives and they had, they had families and all that. But the way they saw their ministry was just that. It was just ministry. It was just another job. They're doing it for now. Maybe in about 15 years, they'd be, go become a lawyer or an engineer or do something else. But if you ever listen to one of the Catholic seminarians tell their story or tell their biography, their line of work was not merely a line of work. Their line of work was their entire life. Their lives were consecrated and given to God fully, completely, and entirely so they might spread his word and be attentive to the Holy Spirit and to be other Christ for the world. And so, my friends, I just want to take this opportunity, this opportunity to ask you to pray for me. It's a tall order. For me and for all the other priests in the world, Father Sibley, and, and so on and so forth. It's a tall order for us to be other Christs in the world and to bear witness to God's everlasting love and his compassion. So my friends, I'm just going to ask you, pray for us. Pray for us that we can go forth and be altar Christus.